Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Churfus. A few weeks ago, I got an invitation to join a group of farmers and growers on a field visit to give their opinion on some new kinds of tomatoes. And that's how I found myself late on a glorious summer afternoon in the tiny hamlet of Pisciarello, being welcomed by one of the organizers. We were at the top of a steep slope, looking down over the experimental plots in the valley below. Away in the distance, I could just make out the main motorway from Rome to Florence, and beyond that, across the Tiber, a low ridge of hills. Matteo Petiti, who works with Rete Semi Rurali, a farmer NGO that's focused on agricultural biodiversity, told me why we were here. From this year in Europe, we have um, uh, a new organic regulation. And with this, in, with this regulation, the, there is a possibility to market seed of uh, so-called organic heterogeneous material. That is, seed of crop varieties in which the individual plants can each be a little bit different, a little bit diverse. This really opens the door to... Uh, to um, developing populations that can be more or less heterogeneous, that can be an acceptable range of diversity. That's a big shift from Europe's previous position, which insisted that all the plants of a given variety be essentially identical. And in response, a few plant breeders, working with NGOs like Rete Semi Rurale and with local, mostly organic growers, have got together to breed new varieties that will be more diverse and so more resilient and more adaptable to things like climate change. Today, we'd be evaluating the fruits, quite literally, of one of those projects to come up with new varieties of specifically orange tomatoes. Walk down through quite a steep slope, past some rosemary bushes, under a walnut tree, under a big loquat tree, past a sheep and a donkey, several donkeys. Once down there, in front of the tomato plants, we were told what to do. Which was basically to score each plant on a very simple four point scale. I didn't actually count the number of different plants, but the top label is Savini 264. So, presumably, there were 264 of them. There are some very clear differences as you walk along the road. I mean, looking at this one, what's this number? Savini doing quite well. Leaves are still good and green, and quite a few fruits up the stem and the right right next to it Savini 8 no fruits leaves pretty dried up not growing all that well Savini 9 Savini 10 um, this is a good one Savini 14 little tiny oval fruits seem to be doing okay 
You've got all the usual shapes, round ones, slightly pointy ones, very pointy ones, oval ones, tiny ones, big ones. Colour is much harder to judge because they're not all at the same stage of ripeness, but some do seem deeper orange than others. There are some here that are flowering madly, but no fruits that I can see. I wonder whether that's something to do with the heat interfering with fertilization. E questo è una varietà commerciale. Bravo, sì, 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 sì. Questa è una varietà commerciale, è una datterina E che significa Savini? È il mio nome, il mio cognome. Embarrassed laughter. Francesco Savini is the farmer who's grown all the plants for the trial. L'università li ha fatti, loro i We chatted a bit about the background to the project and he also suggested I'd do better to go over and talk to the prof. I am uh, Andrea Mazzucato. I am an associate professor in plant breeding uh, at the University of uh, Tuscia in the city of Viterbo, which is uh, nearby. Professor Mazzucato is a plant breeder who explained that this study started by crossing eight parent orange tomatoes. That gave them a hugely diverse population, and each year they selected the most promising 8%. We're looking at offspring from the third generation. These are the progenies of the 20 selected last year, plus a couple of contour varieties. It's actually it's one of the interesting things for people who have the land and want to do this themselves is that people always say, oh, an F1 hybrid, you can't save seeds, it doesn't breed true. But of course, you can save seeds and all that diversity becomes available to you. Yeah, it can be fun. <laughs> so you probably lose uh, uh, some of the productivity then the uniformity for sure. But uh, on the other side, you get the diversity. What are you hoping to get out of this? I mean, most breeders are looking for one super variety. But I, I guess that's not the goal here. No, this is something, uh, something different. Uh, it's uh, to get selected population according to the general opinion of the, of the people who, who, who is selecting. We hope to, uh, to, to achieve a more adapted population for this, uh, for this environment. Yeah, the idea is also to, to grow less uniform varieties. So varieties which are composed of uh, different genotypes, which can be more resilient to environmental conditions. So we hope to get uh, to something which can be more adapted. The trend in F1 hybrids for uniformity. I mean, the supermarkets love that because every tomato is identical. Is there going to be a problem with finding a commercial market for a more variable variety? Uh, honestly, I, I think it would be a problem. So uh, when I say diverse, uh, I think uh, it should be anyway with similar shape, similar size, similar color then the genotypes can be diverse for many other reasons. 
but uh, for the people uh, buying uh, a tomato in, in the supermarket, uh, it's, uh, it's necessary to have an identity of this tomato. They should be similar. So you can say this is, uh, this is uh, cold in this way, this is uh, orange, this is uh, small fruit or big fruit. Uh, yeah, so there is an identity. It, it, they look the same, but yeah. under the surface in the genes, they might be variable, which makes them more adaptable. Yeah. Other countries are doing similar work in Spain and in Bulgaria. And one of the most important aspects of the project is that it involves ordinary people telling the breeders what they like. Normally, it's just the breeders and the growers who are trying to satisfy the ultimate customer, which is the big supermarket. But asking people who eat tomatoes has already revealed some interesting preferences. For example, some, something nice is, uh, is uh, coming out from the first year results. Like, for example, people uh, like the green shoulder in tomatoes, which means the green uh, ring around uh, uh, the stem uh, pole, uh, while the, 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 the professional breeding tends to eliminate it. So there is uh, something that can be cached. Is, is that aesthetic preference? They like the look of it? Or is there some flavor associated with having a green shoulder? This is a difficult question. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it can be both, can be both. For sure, this kind of shoulder is protecting the fruit from the sunlight. So when you don't have it, it's much more frequent to have uh, the burn of the, of the fruit, burning of the fruit, which is not nice to see and also not nice to to eat probably, so there is a link in this uh, in this way. But I also think that it's uh, at least in this region, for example, in the uh, center and south of Italy, the strong green shoulder is very common in uh, local varieties. Like in San Marzano, you have a very strong one. Now we weren't supposed to taste the fruits during the evaluation, but I assumed that the project leader must have tried a few. So I asked him if he had a favorite but I must have been unclear, because he told me about his overall favorite tomatoes. I do like the, the green flesh type, which is the tomato, somebody called them uh, uh, the black tomato, but they are not really black, they are only brown, because they have this, uh, this genetic variant uh, that the chlorophyll is not degraded in the fruit. So you combine a little bit of green with the red, and you get brown fruit. And uh, this, uh, this uh, variation uh, tends to, get, to give more uh, sweetness. And uh, I do like the color also, even if uh, for somebody cannot be very nice, a brown tomato, but uh, I, I do like it. And that's actually a good link to the question of tomato colors and what difference it makes beyond eye appeal. It's a bit complicated, and I'll put more in the show notes, but basically there are three different places that affect the overall color. There's the skin, the epidermis, and a layer just below the skin. And finally, there's the flesh itself. And different genes can affect each of those. Together, they result in more combinations than you can shake a stick at. But luckily, I bumped into Gabriella Dono, who did a PhD, 
on tomato pigments. My project works on um, the tomato quality, so I work on tomato color, the color of the berries. So the red, the orange, the yellow, and um, in particular I work on the metabolites behind the color. The color of the skin and the color inside the tomato can be uh, directed by different kind of genes. So sometimes you can have a transparent skin, but tomato is colored inside. The transparent skin, is that why some tomatoes are very pink? They're almost yes. pink, yeah? Yes, yes. The pink tomato has usually the transparent skin, which uh, um, makes the, the pink color together with the red of the insider part of the tomato. And these orange ones we're looking at? The orange color can depend on different kinds of mutations, so still different kinds of metabolites accumulated in the berry during the process. And nutritionally, the yes. color is quite important because that's the sort of vitamin A precursor. Is orange better than red or is yellow better? Uh, which is which is the best for your health? Yeah, I think many people ha have made me this question in the course of uh, of the years during my PhD. I don't think there's a, the best uh, the best color, but for sure tangerine, for example, which is a variety, uh, an orange variety, has some qualities and properties completely different from the red berries. Gabriella's being very cautious. We use tomato pigments, red, orange, yellow, to make vitamin A. And those tangerine orange tomatoes? The orange pigment is five times better for turning into vitamin A. So that's one good reason to be selecting orange tomatoes. But the others because they do look pretty, so they could find a market. And that would be especially true for some of these tomatoes because they're genetically diverse. Organic and smaller growers could make good use of that, according to Matteo Petiti. We found some nice plants, yes, some uh, outstanding ones. In a, in a year like this, I think uh, a plant that is uh, healthy, vigorous, and uh, with a good uh, production of fruits. And personally, I like if if the um, distribution is of the ripening is uh, gradual, it's not it's not totally early or totally late, but it's because it's something that would suit a, a home garden. But that's very um, it, it depends on, on 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 the use you want to make of the plant. It's in this case, in uh, in, in this uh, market garden uh, where there are bringing produce to market every week. I think it's a good thing to have to have the production distributed over a certain period. This, this plant here intrigued me when I came down to begin with because it has masses of flowers, but I haven't been able to see any fruit. Now, it could be that some, something will come. will come out. It's a, a, late, a late bloomer. <laughs> 
It's in, in this part of the field, you can actually see a lot of these plants that have green tomatoes, have a lot of tomatoes. So maybe uh, being a late, late fruiting plant with a later flowering may have been an advantage just because they escaped the heat wave of uh, May and early June. And then temperature may got a little, little bit more stable and in a range where they could then uh, fertilize uh, flowers and set fruit. Mm. Have you tasted any? We are not allowed at this point. <laughs> uh, I, but I've tasted some uh, last year and uh, there's some very sweet ones. Do you think tomatoes have got too sweet? They've become too much too much just sweetness and not balance? I don't know. The, in, the, in the cherry and atterino type, they, yeah, in the breeding, they tend to go for a higher uh, sugar content. Um, if there is a, a good balance between acids and sugars, I think it's okay. It's certainly better than those supermarket tomatoes that look great but then taste of nothing and uh, as we've learned from uh, Andrea Mazzucato they they often have a, deliberately they insert a, a mutated gene which uh, prevents the fruits from ripening uh, the sugars are not they, they, they're not formed in the fruit linked to this gene but certainly shelf life and appearance is more important than flavor it's a great opportunity also for us to see how a, a tomato breeder works. Will the small, smaller organic type growers, will they benefit directly from this kind of thing? I think so. Um, but yes, this um, from, from experiences like this, a lot of new uh, populations can 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 be created and made available. So modern modern biodiversity, let's call it. Matteo Petiti of Rete Semi Rurali. My thanks to him for inviting me and to Andrea Mazzucato and Gabriella Dono and especially to Francesco Savini, whose land and plants we were visiting. It may sound a bit overblown, to describe a field full of orange tomatoes as, quote, modern biodiversity. But it really isn't. Since the mid-1960s, the European Union has had very restrictive seed legislation, which penalizes home gardeners and small and organic commercial growers in favor of large industrial concerns. And as a result, plenty of older varieties have vanished. Campaigners like Rete Semi Rurali have been plugging away, and at last the legislation is starting to open up. And thanks to the efforts of Andrea Mazzucato and others, the diversity hidden within modern hybrids is being liberated to once again find a place on the land and in our kitchens. That's a good thing, and I hope we'll be seeing a lot more of it. Okay. Quick reminder that the show notes are at eatthispodcast.com where you can also find all past episodes and links to other information like the explainer on tomato color that I mentioned. 
My thanks to supporters for their help to keep the lights on. You can join them from the website or on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash eatthispodcast. And that'll do for now. Until the next episode of Eat This Podcast, goodbye and thanks for listening. 